This is a systemic issue and this industry has really been operating this way for many decades. And it's not just in Asia. Wherever they have worked, this is how they have worked. Whether it was in uh, the Silicon Valley in the 1970s, 1980s or right now in 2021. It is an anti-union industry. It is an industry which really does not put a lot of emphasis or focus on occupational health and safety. And workers really have to fight for their rights. Welcome to Restart Radio. I'm Dave Pickering and I make a monthly podcast for the Restart Project. The Restart Project is a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. This month on the podcast, we're focusing on a topic which is sadly evergreen, labour rights abuses in manufacturing. Our guest today is part of an organisation that has worked tirelessly to make progress in securing and supporting workers in the electronics supply chain. Omana George is the monitoring coordinator for Electronics Watch, and she's spent many years working to ensure the health and the safety of workers across the globe. She joined me over the internet from India, where she was staying at the time of recording. You can hear the delightful noise of the city in the background as she talks about the historic and ongoing issues within electronics manufacturing that for many of us have become much more visible over this past year. My name is Omina George and I am the monitoring coordinator at Electronics Watch. I am based in Hong Kong and I've been working in the field of labor rights in the Asian region for more than a decade now, specifically in the area of occupational and environmental health. And I've actually started with Electronics Watch only in January 2020. So it's one year since I've started working for this organization. But in the past, my area of work was all occupational health and safety related issues. It could be different industries like asbestos, occupational lung diseases, victims organizing, electronics, all of this. What a year to be starting a new role and doing a new thing. So yeah, to, to sort of like start in quite an intense way, I guess. There was a, a big riot in a, an iPhone supplier factory in India last month over unpaid wages. Has COVID allowed a view into how precarious and problematic electronic supply chains are and can be? The short answer would be yes and no, but let me elaborate more. COVID has definitely brought to the forefront how complex this industry is in terms of its supply chains. And we are seeing this on the media, in newspapers, over these months of lockdowns and closed borders. Now more than ever, people know how complex supply chains are and how everything is connected to them. And this is observed across all industries. In the electronics industry, we've observed that there has been disruptions because of lockdowns. This has affected orders, components not being available to make deadlines, production, distribution being affected, 
and has caused serious disruptions in deliveries. And this directly impacted workers because workers were also reporting less work, less wages and less working days. We've heard from them that on the ground in the times of COVID, they are reporting longer working hours. And because of these lockdowns, what happens to workers is they kind of get stuck in the factory site and they are unable to go home. So they end up sleeping in dormitories, on the floor, even on the tables where they work. And they don't really have a lot of choice. But what this does to them is it actually makes them even more vulnerable. Already we have a whole bunch of hazards at the workplace and dangers which are present there. And creating this environment because of COVID, where they're actually trapped into their workplaces, increases their vulnerability even more and causes even further risk to their health. And this is actually a very concerning development which has been happening. You feel like OSH rights has gone back even further during COVID. And um, social distancing is not really being observed either. And of course, PPE, they're not receiving the right PPE. And that has been the case even before. And now COVID has even drawn our attention to that even more intently. One point I want to make is that even though I say all these things, The other issue we should really recognize is that in terms of problems and issues that workers face in this industry, a lot of documentation has been done in the past two to three decades, but there has not been a lot of change, you know, before COVID and during COVID. We see issues and workers' rights struggles based on wages, on employment, on working conditions, and on occupational health and safety. This has been like a standard in this industry. So that's why I said yes and no. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that I've seen within the UK is that COVID has kind of exacerbated existing problems that existed before. Could you expand a little bit on how that has happened and what we're seeing through this lens of COVID? Through the lens of COVID, really what we are seeing is how vulnerable workers are, you know. Already their position in terms of being able to engage and ask for their rights and, you know, protect themselves better has been weak. And now we are seeing COVID has just made things much, much worse. For example, in many countries, they are trying to push back on labor laws, push back on occupational health and safety measures because they're really concerned about keeping manufacturing going. The focus is really on getting the economy back on track. And uh, everything else is being pushed to the back burner right now. So you feel like all these efforts and the fights we have had to achieve what workers need for their basic rights and health and safety is slowly being pushed back by this COVID situation. This riot seems to have been caused by a common feature of electronic supply chains, which is contractualization. Can you explain what that means and what the implications are uh, for workers around that? Contract labor is very symptomatic of the way of hiring in this industry. And this has been practiced for many decades because it's really a convenient way of avoiding responsibility towards workers' rights and benefits. And this leads to a situation where workers end up feeling angry, frustrated and helpless. And this is what we saw happen in this particular case in India in the case of Vistron. The issues raised by the workers were delayed payment of wages deduction of wages without explanation, compulsory 12-hour shifts, 
working on off days even festivals non payment of overtime wages and improper record of workers attendance i've gathered this information from trade unions who have published online about what were the grievances of workers in this factory in addition to this i've recently read an article that the government of india has announced a production linked incentive scheme which will provide incentives and benefits based on incremental production targets in large scale electronic manufacturing units and this particular company was a part of the scheme and then if we understand this we will also understand why there was a recent sudden spike in hiring in the past few months in this factory which has led to this situation in our monitoring work across this region we have noticed that harm to workers caused by flexible employment or contractualization takes different forms in different countries and it really does impact workers everywhere irrespective of where they are located employing workers flexibly means they are less secure it is also linked to the theme of organizing or lack thereof of course the other problem is when workers are employed in this manner then there is no unions to protect them and then workers fear that they are not able to express what their problems are and then it can lead to these extreme situations when they think they are going to lose their job and all of this will really come back to the model of business in this industry how factories suddenly scale up when there's orders and then scale back down it's a very flexible way of working bear in mind this is one of the biggest industries it's a trillion dollar industry with very very high profit margins for these companies but the suppliers on the ground if you observe will not be making that much of this profit yeah they work on much smaller margins therefore you will see in many cases of workers unrest that the companies are not taking really responsibility for these cases but pass the responsibility on to the suppliers right and uh, these workers in terms of the the riot were officially organized although we can't assume that the violence was organized in many countries workers are simply not allowed to organize as you kind of been referring to how much of a problem is this within asian countries where most of the supply chain for our electronics and our garments are based i feel like we shouldn't just focus only on asia yeah because i really think this is an industry systemic issue Right. and this industry has really been operating this way for many decades and it's not just in asia wherever they have worked this is how they have worked right whether it was in uh, the silicon valley in the 1970s 1980s or right now in 2021 it is an anti union industry it is an industry which really does not put a lot of emphasis or focus on occupational health and safety and workers really have to fight for their rights hiring employment everything is quite precarious you can observe union busting cases across the globe in this industry in europe in the us the other thing which is interesting is if you look at countries in asia countries where electronics industry is really found dominant you will also observe the auto industry is there and this is an industry which is anti union and also found in higher density in this part of the world You're absolutely right to expand it to a global context. I mean in the UK we've seen really bad labor practices exposed through COVID through outbreaks, super spreading events happening in, in garment factories and stuff like this.
So what is Electronics Watch's mission and how does it go about enacting that mission in the world? Electronics Watch is an independent monitoring organization. What we do is we help public sector organizations work together to protect the rights of workers in their electronic supply chain. I will need to explain this a bit more to make the viewer understand who is a public buyer. It could be like the university, for example, or like the municipality, department, a school or a hospital, they all have to procure goods, right, to run their organization. They procure paper, they procure computers, printers, workwear. And these public buyers, when they procure this, they do it through public procurement. Electronics is one of the things they procure. Of course, when people procure things, they want to make sure that the things they are buying are not hurting other people who are making them. So that's where the leverage comes from. Since 2014, these public buyers can include social and environmental criteria when they procure things. So they don't have to just focus on price alone like it was done in the past. They can look at how, in what manner are these products being manufactured? Is it harming people? Is it harming the environment? And our leverage comes from here. Our leverage comes from public buyers who are able to create the demand for decent working conditions and drive change. The way we do our monitoring is really a worker-driven monitoring approach. We collaborate with civil society organizations on the ground who are our monitoring partners and experts located in the regions where electronics is being produced and actively do this monitoring of different factories and workplaces through worker-driven monitoring. So that's kind of how the model works. Mainly the public buyers we work with right now are in the European Union, but we are also building new partnerships in Australia and in the future in the US. Your personal background focuses on health and safety at work. What are some of the biggest occupational health and safety risks in electronics manufacturing? In my work, which I've done on occupational health and safety, a lot of the engagements and way we've tried to do worker empowerment is through trainings. We've done a lot of occupational training of trainers in the electronics sector. And some of the common things which we have heard time and time again is that workers have no training or knowledge on working with the chemicals to keep them safe. And I'll give you an example. Like in factories, when you go, you hear workers saying they're given two bottles. One bottle is marked as bottle A and the other is marked as bottle B. And they're told to mix it and use it. I've heard recently horrifying accounts of workers being given bottles of chemicals, which is actually the normal plastic water bottles. And if the chemical is transparent, you know, when, when it's a really hot workplace, and the worker is suddenly thirsty and feeling overheated. There have been cases where workers, by mistake, have actually opened the bottle containing the chemical and drunk it. Oh. Right? Yeah. So you, you hear these horrible accounts of situation in which they are working. So they don't know what they're working with. And if you don't know what you're working with, how do you make yourself safe from it? Are you working with a carcinogen? Are you working with a chemical which needs not just a normal mask, but, you know, the ones with the right filters to protect you from the vapors of that chemical? And then they are being exposed to fumes, odor of chemicals, radiation. They're not being given uh, breaks to go to the loo or to drink water. They don't have proper breaks when needed. Reproductive health problems is common in both women and men workers. There's a lot of noise in workplaces, noisy equipment, heat, chemical spills, 
ergonomic problems and high stress levels because you're working on a line and many a time it's like they're all cogs in a wheel right everyone has one particular task they have to perform and they have to repeat that same movement from when they arrive in the morning till they leave in the evening so obviously that repetitive movement leads to damage wear and tear of the body over a period of time and they're working on really high stress levels the biggest problem i think really is the chemicals because that is the hidden danger in these factories there's thousands of chemicals being used in materials and component manufacturing and assembling of these products many of these chemicals are toxic to human health and it should not be used or if it is being used it should be used using the correct industrial hygiene measures to protect the workers and the environment unfortunately many a time this is not being practiced and workers are being exposed to these chemicals and their vapors which will cause illnesses many of them are carcinogens and it may even cause death to the workers ultimately one step if we really want to push for workers health and safety is to identify first what they are working with there is a tool we can use called the hierarchy of control which is kind of like a triangle we normally say step 1 is elimination if you see a hazard or a hazardous chemical your first step should be to take it out to keep people safe if you can't do that then you have to look at what can you substitute to keep them safer if you can't do that what kind of changes can you make in the engineering controls in the machinery so that the workers are not being exposed to the fumes or can we do some kind of administrative controls where you limit amounts of exposure and finally the last resort which you advocate for is personal protective equipment personal protective equipment should never be the first solution to a problem especially when we are dealing with a toxic chemical because then the employer can turn around and tell the worker i gave you the ppe my responsibility is done now it's your responsibility you didn't wear it properly you felt sick no so that should really be the last resort never push for ppe first we should really look to make workplaces safer so some of the interesting recent important updates or wins i've seen is one was in south korea in 2019 2020 where the company samsung was held responsible for workers illnesses and it was linked that the workers who felt sick from their factory was linked to the workplace and the judgment held samsung responsible for the workers who felt sick and died because of chemical exposure i think this is the first time i've seen something like that in this particular industry and this is really going to set a precedent for chemical exposure and occupational cancers in this industry this is very significant and in a country like that where we have had this kind of a win and believe me there were people on the ground an organization called sharps which is basically the victims of the workers and family members and activists and doctors and lawyers it was a long long engagement to get justice for the workers and their families and this was one really significant success and win 
in terms of workers' rights. Right. And you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but could you tell us a, a bit more in particular about the hazards for women in these industries who make up the majority of electronics workers? And I guess like you've mentioned reproductive health already for all genders, but yeah, I guess it's going to be particularly women who are at risk in those areas. Yeah. Women of childbearing age have always been the core of workers in the electronics manufacturing workforce. And the use of toxins really poses health risk to them and if they are pregnant to the future offspring. And really this is inexcusable because one of the biggest problems we see is that workplace exposure standards are nowhere close to the environmental standards. You will find that the environmental standard is always higher than the workplace standard. This is a huge problem, this discrepancy, and it really needs to be addressed. We actually had our annual event last year, which was an Occupational Health and Safety Summit, and we had one session there on women workers' health. And we had an expert from San Jose. She is a lawyer, and she's been fighting the cases of women workers who've been exposed to toxins in Silicon Valley in the 80s and who have children who have disabilities, developmental disorders. And she's been fighting their cases and making sure they get compensation so that these children who are now adults already can be taken care of properly. This point she made when she did her presentation, if you're pregnant, every day is bring your child to work day. Hmm. And this is very important because you are coming in with a baby in your body and that baby is being exposed to everything you're being exposed to. And that's what happened to those women workers. They did not know that the chemicals they were working with was going to create a situation where they're going to have children now who are dependent on them for the rest of their lives. Toxic chemicals really don't care why and where they are used. If a chemical's nature is to be a developmental toxigen or a mutagen or a neurotoxin or a carcinogen, then it will do exactly that, whoever is being exposed to it. And workers really deserve to have protection from the toxins just like the community does. And this discrepancy I mentioned to you must be really addressed because they are the ones who suffer the most. A number of these toxins, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to prove again that this chemical causes this kind of damage to the human body. And if it has already been proved, we can learn from history and the industry should just take it out of production. But that's not what's happening. They're ignoring the evidence and they still continue to put workers in harm's way. I'll just give you one example now of a case in Indonesia. Through worker-driven monitoring in this particular factory, 95% of the women were young women of childbearing age. We found out that all day they are working with a cleaning solvent called toluene, which is a reproductive toxin for women. They wear paper masks. Of course, the paper mask is not going to protect women against toxic chemicals, these women workers. But it does give them a false sense of security, right? And therefore puts them really in harm's way. It can decrease the fertility or result in the loss of fetus during pregnancy. It can cause harm to the developing child with birth defects, low birth gain, biological or behavioral problems as a child grows. It is a neurotoxin and it impacts the central nervous system. Now, toluene was being used in this factory. And during the monitoring process, we found out that. 
and interviewed workers testified that it has a toxic impact and it was a everyday occurrence in that factory that workers would faint through our engagement with the public buyers and the brands eventually toluene was replaced with safer alternatives in this factory and there were changes being made like the ventilation system was repaired this chemical was removed and there was people received personal protective equipment which actually works Electronic supply chains go really deep and in Europe we've heard a lot about workers who assemble electronics but what are some of the other jobs that occur before the assembly This industry is mostly when we read about stuff it's focused on the workers in the final assembly where all the parts are components are being put together to make the different products but of course there are other steps right for example where are the different components being produced before it can be assembled where are the chemicals being produced which comes into these factories there's workers in all these different sections which contributes to our final product and of course logistics you have workers who are bringing these products across the world and then of course initial raw material stage of the supply chain where minerals are being sourced from smelters and refineries and then of course you have the final stage of the life cycle which is the e-waste so you have all these different groups of workers who are also under considerable risk to their health and who are working in difficult conditions workers are everywhere and if you really look at a smartphone any smartphone the one you're holding probably yeah. <laughs> you will see that to produce that one phone of yours workers would have come from different parts of the world to put it together from africa probably where the mining take place and uh, maybe in south america also and then in asia where the production is and in eastern europe and the r&d could be happening in europe and in in the us so you can see that there's blue collar workers and white collar workers all who are coming together to design these products it is a very complex industry and workers across this region especially i think in the mining areas their situation it's a very exploitative and very dangerous situation in which they are working i often think of the mine workers my dad was a documentary maker he did a lot of documentaries down coal mines in the uk he saw improvements in health and safety in the mining communities in the uk over his time when he was documenting them and i'm so aware that the mines that are happening now the miners that are making modern day stuff that we have in our hands or i have in my hand literally now have much worse conditions than any of the miners that my dad was kind of uh documenting during those times and they were bad but it's even worse now and it is as you say a bitter irony to me that I'm you know doing this interview and you're telling me all of these you know terrible things about the working conditions and I am doing it reading the questions off a phone off a off a, off a smartphone so I, I think you've got one too right as well at your I've end. got one right here <laughs> yeah, next yeah. to me <laughs> yeah when I noticed that I at least was like well at least there's more people in this call than just me that's got that complexity going on and what can we do what can we do what can we do as individuals 
I've, I've thought about this question, actually. <laughs> what, what can we do? It's really important for us to be aware, to understand how this industry works, to ask questions, to push, like, what is your city council doing? How can you push for more fairer and, uh, you know, the kind of electronics which are being bought to ensure that workers are not being exploited? Yeah, I mean, this, this is really tough. As an individual, I think it's really about being aware and pushing and asking the right questions and holding people accountable, right? Like if they are students, they could go to their schools and ask, how is your school procuring the IT? You can use your tax dollars to push for more non-exploitative products being bought. But it's really important that we don't take away responsibility from the company. You right. know, right. It's, that is important because this company um, or this industry really knows what they are doing. Right. And they should be responsible for how they treat workers. And it, it's not really an individual responsibility to make sure that they can do this themselves. I think there has to be a systemic questioning of how this industry works and how can we make things better for workers' rights and prevent exploitation. And, you know, so they don't take away like 80 to 90 percent of the profits and everybody else gets a pittance. Right. The trickle down should be more just. I mean, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? As individuals, almost the best thing that we can do is to reach out to other individuals and become a collective movement and be pushing for systemic changes. And what are emerging trends that you're seeing in global electronics supply chains? Towards the end of last year, we created the Occupational Health and Safety Advisory Panel in Electronics Watch. And uh, this brings together experts, doctors, lawyers, people who have been working across the globe in the area of electronics, industrial hygienists, safety inspectors, chemists, a whole bunch of people, activists from the ground. And they all come together in this advisory panel and they're going to work with Electronics Watch from now onwards to help us really address the problems we see in terms of what workers are facing on the ground in terms of health and safety issues. And also affiliates, like our public buyers have an occupational health and safety issue. They don't understand it. It's too technical. This advisory panel is going to be there to help us really push for workers' rights in this industry. So I think this is really significant. And I'm really excited about what we will be doing. And then in terms of the industry, you would have seen on the news that slowly this industry is beginning to shift a lot of its production to countries like India and Vietnam. This is going to bring about a lot of change. We'll have to wait and see what this means in terms of workers' rights and how the global supply chains will change in the years to come. And of course, we need increased solidarity because companies are now becoming aware of pressure, right? There's collective pressure from different initiatives to try to address workers' rights issues, to try to get companies to do the right thing. These joint efforts, like, for example, we have the Clean Electronics Production Network, we have Electronics Watch, we have Good Electronics, we have the Asian Network for Rights of Occupational and Environmental Victims, Andrew in Asia. All of them are trying to push for workers' rights. And this, this combined pressure to solve problems and to make workplaces safer is having an impact on the industry and on companies. 
We've also produced the Occupational Health and Safety Guidance for Public Bios, where we've actually tried to list about 16 chemicals, which we are advising our public buyers to completely take out of their supply chains based on the impact these chemicals are causing. So we'll, we'll see the impact of that in this coming year. So there's lots of small, small things, but they're all important things and important changes. And that gives me hope that we'll have some progress in the months to come. You can see it a lot more joined up than than I can. And it's good to hear that you have some hope and good to kind of end with a little bit of hope. Qualified hope, though. Cautious hope. We have to keep holding people's feet to the fire, as they say. I think I would like to just finish by saying really the core to workers' rights, health and safety is them being able to organize and represent themselves and speak for themselves. This is what we hope will happen more, that workers are able to organize, form unions or form collectives where they can represent themselves so they can protect themselves. And I really hope that this becomes more in the future. After listening to that conversation, I'm sure that you'll agree that there is still a lot that needs to be done to transform the electronics industry and other industries in our global supply chains. While it can feel rather helpless as an individual watching massive companies refusing to make these changes, it's also reassuring to know that there are people like Omana and her colleagues at Electronics Watch who are doing the work of highlighting injustices and informing the buyers who have the power to influence these companies. It was shocking to hear the stories of exploitation, but there was some hope in that some workers have managed to push back, get better rights, get better working conditions. And through the work of Electronics Watch and other organisations, we'll hopefully see much more of that in the future. At Restart, we believe that the most ethical and environmentally friendly course of action is to hold on to our old devices for as long as is possible. However, if we do have to buy new, let's do our best to remember that the shiny thing that we're holding in our hands was created through lots of people's labour. And so we've got to do what we can to amplify their voices and to push for change not just in terms of the cost that our products have on our environment, but in terms of the exploitation of fellow human beings that they also represent. Restart Radio is a show aired on Resonance 104.4 FM and a monthly podcast uploaded to the Restart Project website and found wherever you get your podcasts. As with all episodes of Restart Radio, we'll include links with background information to all of the issues and stories discussed over at therestartproject.org. The music that you've heard in today's episode was made with lasers and repurposed electronics and is a collaboration between Opto Noise and Cassini Sound. And big thanks to Restart's communications assistant, Holly, who did the research and planning for this episode.
And now it's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other. Goodbye, everybody.